This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? JP's World. You heard it right. JP's World. Get your 10% discount right now. Use it. All caps. J-P-S-W-O-R-L-D. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. And what is up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite show, your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again, once more for another episode of your favorite podcaster. And today I bring you part two out of three of the interview with Coach Craig Mulligan. And let me tell you, this interview is packed with wisdom advices, motivation, positivity, all that you're looking for on a coach that can you can learn a lot from a coach, okay? But first, before we jump into the interview, let's give a big thank you to Black Diamond Firm because without them, all this interview that you've been listening to will not have been possible. Thank you so much, Black Diamond Firm. And if you're an athlete out there and you're listening right now and you need a representative, you need an agency that can get you out there and make you and help you fulfill your dreams of being a professional athlete, you need Black Diamond Firm, man. Thank you so much to Black Diamond for making these interviews possible. And without further ado, I don't want to make this big of an intro and get you guys tired of me, you know? So before I cue the real intro, let me just tell you, enjoy this episode, enjoy this wisdom, enjoy these advices that coach can give to us and use them in your daily life as am doing so too i'm going to use all the lessons that coach had has told talked me in this short interview i'm going to use them in my life because that's how powerful this interview is but again without further ado i'll leave you guys cue the real intro Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the JP's World. And welcome back once again, people, to the podcast where negativity ends, where we talk about everything, sports, movies, motivation, shows, current events, and more. I'm your host, JP. Get ready. We're about to start. Wow. Wow, what a great great story it is i don't know i wish i wish i would have i don't know gone through the process of learning football my story is like i tried to build a football team back in my hometown but i couldn't money was the issue but mm. believe me i would i and we never we never even had a coach we just had other players that used to play telling us drills without pads or anything and Believe me, if I could pick right now, it's not just words. I'm saying it from the heart. I would have loved if you would have been our coach. 
Wow, for real, for you know real. That, that is one of the greatest compliments that I could have ever hoped to get. Because I, I tell my players all the time, part of, part of my culture, what I always install everywhere I go is we need to have identity, we need to have motivation, we need to have execution, we need to have purpose. You have those four things in the manner that I know we need, we will be successful. And that harkens back to identity. What are you? Are you a football player? Or are you a person that plays football? Am I a football coach? Or am I someone that coaches football? And the difference is in identity and intent. If you identify as a football player, it is not a hobby. It is a passion. It is a craft. It is a lifestyle. On the flip side, if you identify as a person that plays football, now you're separating it from yourself. Subconsciously. Yeah. You're never going to be fully bought in until you realize that this is what I am. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to live my life fighting to be the best version of myself within this identity as I can. And once you can do that, even when you lose, you never really lose. You just learn. You know, I'm going to apply that now. From, from now on, it's like, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm a graduated civil engineer and i started this podcast a year ago and i i guess i'm not guessing um i'm willing to start asking me this uh, asking myself that question am i a podcaster or am i a person that makes a podcast am i a civil engineer or am i a person that just studied civil engineer wow if you do not do that you are allowing the world to define you and if the world defines you they will never attribute the same value to you that you do yourself. Wow. You're hearing this, people? Start defining. Let's start defining ourselves. Let's start defining who we are. It's not, it's not going to be easy, but it's possible. No. And you know, in psychology, when we allow others to define us, what we call that is self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's actually one of the underlying psychological tend- um, arguments for some people saying that the SAT is discriminatory mm-hmm. because there, there are certain, you know, min- minorities that are made to feel as though the expectations are lower because of who they are, where they come from, right, what their bloodline is. And when we call it self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, there's this meme I've seen occasionally, a fish that is judged by his ability to climb a tree will forever live with the belief that it is stupid. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. So when we take the power of defining ourselves and we internalize it and we take that power away from those around us, what we're really doing is we're sharpening our sword because at some point we are all going to come to a point of conflict, either with our identity, Mm -hmm. with our ability, or with our purpose. And when the time for battle, that internal battle of identity comes, our swords need to be sharp because if they're not, it's going to be a hell of a time for us to win that battle. Yeah. How can, how can we go to war with a, I mean, I, I don't want to be like, like doing, saying like that, but how can you go to battle better with a wooden sword? It's like, we need. It can be done, but you need, you, you need preeminent skill. Oh, okay. That is built oh, okay. through a lifetime of dedication. You know, that's why I was sparring. You look at boxing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yoga boxing and when when champions spar they don't wear nothing sparring partner does 
Yeah. Isn't that the same as a champion having a wooden sword? Mm, okay, okay. Anything that does not absolutely prevent you from achieving your goal is nothing more than a circumstance. Overcome it. Okay. Wow. Now, let's let's move on to this. Yes, sir. Do you have a what is your motto as a coach? Do you have a motto like something that I do. I, I have tons of mottos, but if I had to if I had to define one, one that brought to the center what my true coaching philosophy is, it's three words. Technical, precise, and efficient. Technical. And the overarching concept that those three words are filtered through is violence. Okay. Wow. Every, everything about this conversation with you, Coach, is so, like, enlightening. Like, I don't know. I feel we've, we've just been at this conversation for minutes, and I feel like I can, I can run through a brick wall right, brick wall right now, for real. <laughs> well, you know what? That means I'm doing my job right. Yeah, exactly. I told you. I want to inspire others to live as passionately as they can. Football is just a mechanism, and I happen to be really good at it. Football is a mechanism, and as people are saying now, these tough times, it's a platform also. I mean, it's yeah. kind of the same. Now, yeah. do you have a dream team that you would like to coach, or maybe if you could have the choice to, which one would it be? Would it be? Wow. Um, okay, first I'll give you a general answer, and then I'll give you a specific answer. Okay. General answer is, my dream team is the team that can teach me the most. Okay. Whatever team that I can go to, and I'm guaranteed to be the dumbest coach in that room, I want to be in that room. Okay. Because that's okay. how I'm going to sharpen my own sword. I it's hard to teach ourselves. It's hard to teach ourselves, right? Yeah. We don't always yeah. identify what's wrong. We, we have a bias. Yeah. So yeah. generally speaking, I want to go where my growth never stops. Like, I want, I want to be the super saiyan of football. <laughs> always strive, always drive, always fight. Never settle for where I am because where I am is not improving. It's complacent. Yeah. I always want to improve something about myself. I love that reference. Yeah, I, I'm an anime. I'm an anime geek, man. I really am. <laughs> My wife is too, so we, we we enjoy that together very much. Um, awesome. Specifically, though. Yeah. Specifically, um, man, that's a really good question. You know, I've thought about it because. There's coaches that I admire and there's coaches I respect. And those are two different things. Yeah. They can be one of the yeah. same, but they are very distinct. So, oh boy, um, for me, it would narrow down to three coaches. I think that anytime, anytime you're engaged into a style of competition, mm -hmm. your aspiration should always be to, to be at the top. Mm -hmm. You know, it's why martial artists have such pride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why football players have such pride. Yes. It's why countries have such pride. Yes. We live in a world where our worth and our value is attributed to the ranking that we have. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, that's a double-edged sword. Yeah. So how do we reframe it to improve ourselves instead of judge ourselves? So I reframe it by looking at what can I learn? So there's three teams. Um, at the pinnacle of what I believe football should be. One is Belichick and his Patriots. Mm -hmm. I want to learn, I would love to learn how to run a program from Belichick. Wow. Because yeah. regardless of how you feel about him, 
Yeah. Right. Regardless of what fan base you um, belong to, his ability to develop people is unparalleled. I'm a Niner fan, one and true. Like Niners, my <laughs> I've been a Niner fan since I've known what football is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, um, and then, so then the other aspect of that too would be another one would be uh, Coach Carroll with Seattle. Yeah. Because yeah. his ability to create culture yeah. is unparalleled. Players have come and gone. Talent has come and left. But the energy, the passion has not changed. Yeah. Regardless of who was on the roster. Yeah. I don't know that you can necessarily say that about every single and then the two coaches that I admire mm-hmm. that I would also like to learn from uh, it's a tie mm-hmm. for me between Shanahan you know okay. um, with the Niners um, because I, I really admire the way that Shanahan approaches the game mm-hmm. I feel that his, his ability to design scheme and balance the dynamic relationship between scheme and talent is on the level of the greats yeah um, and then the other aspect of that too is that he's a young coach. Yeah, he, he's he's just silly. like Sean McVay from just like Sean McVay from the Rams. Yeah, They're young coaches. I am their age. I want to know what they did in their life to get to where they need to be. And if I can't be in the room with them to ask them questions, then I'm going to take it upon myself to study their life and emulate their habits. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of how you feel about them. They have winning habits. I want to know what they are because I'm going to make those habits my own. Yeah. Make winning a habit. Make winning that, like, like we said, a lifestyle, not a hobby. Winning needs to be a lifestyle. Wow. That's 100% true. Yeah. And as you said, no matter, like now, let's, 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 let's introduce that, the, the fan base. No matter if we hate the team, no matter if we hate the players because they're being our team or anything, the coaches have installed a culture on those teams. Belichick yeah. can turn, as you said, can, he, he has the culture. He just needs the players. And the players, no matter where you come from, he's going to make you a winner. And then Seattle also. Now oh, yeah. and they're learning how to make winning a habit, how to make winning a lifestyle. That is, that is, wow, that is, that is a great analogy. I mean, I would love you to have, have you the 49ers. I'll, I'll <laughs> you know what? Um, I, w- I would love to be there. Um, I've actually, I've had the opportunity to go and learn from the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the opportunity to meet and have a, a few small conversations with Greg Williams and his son um, and some of their coaching staff. And what I really took away from, from that was coaching should be less about X's and O's mm-hmm. because X's and O's coaches are a dime a dozen. I mean, yeah. there are tens of thousands of unemployed football coaches that honestly are probably more qualified than me. Yeah. I, I am not blind. I'm not blind to how deep the ocean goes. I have a lot to learn. But what I really do appreciate is they – showcase how important inspiration was mm-hmm. and how they define inspiration as the ability 
to motivate others to do what they want to do because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you can teach anybody anything. Yeah. I mean, after, after, you, after you realize that, again, your ceiling just goes up. Your ceiling. Oh, yeah, and your floor goes up too. Your floor goes up. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. Now, in your bio that Leanne sent me when we were setting mm-hmm. everything up, he, he, she wrote that you were in the Junior Olympics. Do you have any about that? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, 12 years old. Um, I ran the half mile. And uh, <clears throat> I pretty much had my way and obliterated everybody until I hit the national level. And even, even then, you know, I pretty much had my way with competition. Um, it got to the point where in a two-lap race, I was lapping people. Mm-hmm. And the important takeaway that I – got from that journey was I hit a wall. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get past two minutes and 10 seconds. And it was hard. And I told my mom, I was just like, man, because my mom was everything. She was my coach. She was my trainer. She was my sports psychologist, you know? And I told her, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know how to get faster. Yeah. Like, is this just like, is this it? Am I not just not going to get faster? And she said, well, why do you feel that way? And I said, because there's nobody that's running with me. I'm running by myself. Like, what's the point? And she said, well, why don't you try racing your own shadow? And that's when I first learned how to become self-competitive. So I took that with me. And I pretty, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I didn't lose a single race the entire year in the USA track and field. Um, I had college coaches coming and talking to me from Boston and all that. Um, and I went down from a, from a 210 down to a 205, two minutes and five second half mile at 12 years old. And, uh, you know, I ended up qualifying to the Junior Olympics. And that, that time, you know, would have put me at, at third place. Mm-hmm. And at 12 years old, third in the entire world. Wow. Um, and, and I actually, you know, I, I qualified to the Junior Olympics in two events, the half mile and the four by one. Um, and you know, this is kind of a sad story for me Okay. and not just personally, but also as a coach, my heart kind of breaks a little bit because I, in the four by one, you know, I have three teammates. Um, one of them's in prison right now for murder and the other one is on the run and went out of the country uh, for the murder of another person that we went to high school with. And the, the sad truth of the matter is that they put in the hard work their entire lives but they never had that person that would actively seek to meet them where they were at. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I know you want to talk about the junior Olympics, but I feel this is a platform. we got to highlight a bigger issue. Okay. You know, the purpose, the purpose of coaching is, you know, it goes beyond success. Mm-hmm. You know, I interviewed for Spock sports yesterday and they asked me a similar question. I, I told them as a coach, if we stand on the 50 yard line and we wait for players to come to us, we are wrong. We need to actively seek our players out where they are, whether that's at home, whether that's in the streets, whether it's at church, or whether it's in the locker room. Mm-hmm. We are the shepherds of our own flock. And if we don't do that, we're going to lose our sheep. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so long, long, long story short, we fundraised. We did what we could. Um, at the end of the day, my parents could have afforded me to go and compete. 
Um, but the other kids couldn't. Mm -hmm. And because they couldn't, my parents just decided that it wasn't fair, um, that I was able to go and they couldn't, even though we had all been working as hard as we could together. I didn't understand it at first. And I was, I was bitter. I was bitter for a while because I, I wanted my shot to prove that I could compete at the world level. And I didn't get it. Yeah. But looking back as yeah. a coach and as a former soldier, I get it. I, I wish that they had a coach that had done more for them to help them, and they didn't have that. Yeah. And so, you know, my, my mission going forward is always to be the coach that I wish I had. You, you wish you was like you, you could be, they, they could have a coach like, like you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, coaches, coaches are the developers of our children. Mm -hmm. In some cases, they're parental figures. Yeah. So when we, look, when we look at it through that perspective, we need to realize that the, these kids, they depend on us so much more than what we really think. Mm -hmm. And some of them are tough, man. Some of them are tough. Like when I was going to school in Wilson Elementary down in Sanger, I had to physically fight because I was the only white-looking kid at an entirely Latino culture school, mm -hmm. and these kids grew up tough. Yeah. And they, they absorbed me into that tough culture, man. And you know what? If, if somebody didn't like you and it was playground time, you were either going to stand your ground and fight that fight right then and there, or they were going to keep doing it to you. Yeah, and once you stood, once you stood, you showed them like, "Hey, I got pride. Like this isn't going to happen today." They respected you. Yeah, but that was how they thought because they didn't have a coach in their life or a parental figure in their life that took the time to reframe their perspective and said, "Yeah, you're tough. We know you're tough. Mm -hmm. Be tough together." Exactly. Let's come. Something like. Let's be tough together and change, change our world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's always the goal. Now, in the next question, it's, it is, how do you motivate your players? Walk us through that process. How do you motivate your players before every game? Uh, communication is key. Yeah. To me, when you look at interpersonal relations, it's really a multi-tiered process, right? We need to be able to communicate healthily, mm -hmm. whatever it is, whether it's expectations standards, whether it's improvements mm -hmm. or sustaining, we need to be able to communicate. Mm -hmm. Because if we can communicate, we can understand each other. Yes. If we can understand each other, that will help us build compassion. Mm -hmm. And compassion is what makes us family. family. I filter every single process that I have with a player through that communication model through that interaction model. I also incorporate inclusive language. Like you're gonna notice, you know, in, in, the, in the speeches that I give, I, I, I tell my players, and this didn't get caught in the audio, but if you win, it's on you. We won because you executed. If we lost, it's on me. Because somewhere along the way, I did not put you in a good enough position to execute. Mm -hmm. Either I didn't get you enough reps, I didn't coach it in a manner it needed to be coached. Like failure is a learning opportunity, but it is never a burden. And if it ever becomes a burden, it goes on my shoulders. And we call that accountability. Mm -hmm. So I use inclusive language. 
when I, whenever I make a critique on a player, whether it's a practice or it's in a game, I say, hey, man, love the execution, but we need you to be this. The team needs you to do this. Mm-hmm. We need this to happen because what that does is it creates a feeling of togetherness. Mm-hmm. When I say, hey, man, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'm putting it on the player. I am separating the player from myself. I'm separating the player from the team. Mm-hmm. I'm isolating that player through my criticism. That will lead your player to shut down. It doesn't matter how old they are. Yeah. They're either going to get pissed off, right? Yeah. They're going to say, screw this, screw you. Yeah, yeah. Or they're going to say, man, what do you know? I know better than you. I, I looked this stuff up on YouTube. I got this. I don't need you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or they're going to respond and improve. But no matter what, with an unknown player that you know nothing about, mm-hmm. you're only rocking a 33% chance of having a beneficial outcome. Mm-hmm. What's you, that for? Sorry, you, you, you're putting what you're saying. It's, come, it's like putting everything on, on the shoulders of a player. And it's something that we need to. Right. What we want to be able to do, right? Mm-hmm. The reason why I use inclusive language and I use team-based language is I never want to, the player to feel like they were the cause for the failure. I want the player to understand that, hey, yeah, it didn't measure up, but that's okay. We understand why. You understand why. Mm-hmm. Now I need you to understand what we really need you to be. And, you know, I, <laughs> I, I've always coached because I loved football. Mm-hmm. The videos that you're about to put on, this team was the first team that taught me. They taught me how to love coaching just as much as I love football because they responded. They validated everything that I put into them mm-hmm. through sheer will of effort. We had 40 guys showing up in a blizzard, full on smacking the snot out of each other, dislocating fingers injuring themselves and not a single person complained because they understood what it meant to suffer together. Yes. And they knew how to embrace the suck and reframe that pain into passion and take pride in it. They took pride in being the shield for each other. Yeah. And they mimicked me. I did my job. And that, and I feel, and I guarantee, like I just feel like you felt that that, that is one of the most proudest that you you have felt. I felt like I watched my children take steps for the first time. <laughs> you know, it just I knew right then and there that one I was a good coach. Mm-hmm. That two I was made to coach. Exactly. Three, fate brought me to that team. They brought you to the process. They. It's like, it was, the, it was the cherry on the cake. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of coaches, I mean, football is such an ego-centric sport, man. You know, and like one of the best pieces of devices that I got is two-part. One, it was do a good job wherever you're at because your players are your resume. Nobody watches film and is like, oh, my God, they have a great coach. They just watch the film for the player. All right. But on the subconscious level, my players are my resume. Yeah. 
you know? So with that perspective, right, we want to be able to be process-focused and not results-oriented. Football, you know, one of the second piece of advice that I was really given, you know, the caveat off that is be prepared to be fired. Because football is so results-driven, be prepared to be fired. Because it's hard to be the top coach, man. It's hard to be the most brilliant coach. And at some point, you're going to come across a coach that's just going to kick your butt. His players are going to kick your players' butt. And you're going to try and try and try. But you know what? It's just not your day. Mm -hmm. And so if that ends up being a season, for whatever the reason, be prepared to be fired. So what I've really tried to do is raise the floor as opposed to the ceiling. And what I mean by that is instead of being a results-oriented coach and having a result-oriented team that was more concerned with win-loss at the end of the schedule and mm -hmm. whether or not we actually made it to the championship, I really uh, decided to focus on the process mm -hmm. and becoming a detail, attention-to-detail-oriented coach and produce an attention to detail oriented team. So one of my other slogans that I always say, and I always tell them that the difference between good and great is in the details. Because when you can implement that in your life, you find a way to enjoy the daily grind of getting better, right? Mm -hmm. And you start learning how to aspire to greatness. Wow. Wow. two out of three people remember this is a three-part interview and i hope you guys enjoy it and loved it as much as i did doing it part one is already out there available on all platforms for you guys to listen and share with your friends and family and part three will be out soon just be on the lookout for my announcement on my social media so you guys don't miss when it drops okay and a special thanks to black diamond firm for making all these interviews in this past episodes possible if you're an athlete out there and you need a publicist or a representative black diamond firm is the one to go just give him a call and thanks to coach craig mulligan for coming to the podcast and share his passion his wisdom his knowledge everything that you have been listening on this part of the interview and thanks to you guys for sharing the podcast for sharing with your friends with your family for subscribing and reviewing the show all those reviews help us a lot and remember there is merch for the podcast that you guys can acquire for now there's only hats and stickers hats are $15 and stickers are five all the profits from that merch go directly to this podcast for making and creating better content for you guys all right so that's it for me for this episode i know you guys maybe are tired from my voice for a little bit so so you guys can take a break i'm just gonna leave you here and cue the real outro people see you guys in the next episode and that was it for this week's episode thanks for listening 
you enjoyed the show and are enjoying the episodes, the number one thing you can do for me is subscribe, rate, and review this show. And don't forget to share it with your friends. I'm your host, JP, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.